if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7 is where we're going to be today, starting in verse 18 in a moment. But as you're turning there, I want you to think about uh, with this question, has there ever been a moment in your life where you've had this moment of realization of how great God truly is? Maybe you just had a moment in your life where it just really just dawned on you how great God truly is. Maybe for you it was that time, maybe you took vacation and you went to the mountains. Uh, I know that is for me a lot of times. You go up there and, and you get to those, uh, those breathtaking viewpoints where you pull off on the side of the road and you just go out and you just look over the cliff and you just see the massive landscape that surrounds you and you're thinking, man, we serve a big and great, mighty God. Maybe you're not a mountain person, you're a beach person instead. So you go to the beach and you sit out on the sand and you just look out into the waters and you think, that's a long ways away. That's, we serve a big and mighty God. Maybe it was the first time that you held your child in your hands. Maybe you were praying for something and you, were, and you knew it was going to take a miracle for the prayer to happen. And God answered that prayer. And it was a reminder to you how good and how great God truly is. You know, if we just stop for a moment and we truly think about it, just even for a moment, we think about our Heavenly Father, we begin to see how truly great God is. How good He's been to us for a long, long time. And we begin to grasp this concept in the Bible where it says that God is the Most High. There is nothing greater, nothing higher than our God and, and as we reflect on his greatness and how good he truly is, it leads us to a state of thankfulness, which obviously we're entering into a season of thanksgiving. I know some of us want to already jump into Christmas, and, and, and I'm not judging because I'm in the same way. I want to jump on into Christmas and get everything up and decorated, right? But I also think, I don't think we skip Thanksgiving if we jump into Christmas. I think Christmas leads us to Thanksgiving as well. And a reminder of his goodness and his grace. So anybody needs a theological reason to put your Christmas tree up, there you go. But, in all seriousness, I do believe that because we're entering into this season of Thanksgiving, it's always good to be reminded of how good God is and how grateful we should be for our Lord and our Savior and, and have this heart of gratitude. And I think this truly comes from where David is in 2 Samuel but just to catch us up to make sure we're all on the same page, we see this moment of gratitude with David, but what led to this moment of gratitude? Now, remember, David was just a simple little young shepherd boy watching his father's sheep. And in comes Samuel, Samuel looking for the next anointed king. And God anoints this little shepherd boy, David, to be the next king of the nation of Israel. But along the way, before he gets to that moment, he has, to, uh, he has to endure potential death by Saul. He experiences many great victories in war, and he has a lot of great positive moments. And the last time we met together and we looked at 2 Samuel, David was feeling very good about himself. You can read at the beginning of chapter 7 that David was feeling very good. There was peace in the kingdom. The wars were, were, were at a, a little minimum, if any. The enemy was at bay. Everything seemed to be right, and David says, you know what, God, I live in this great big house, and God, you need a big house, and I want to build you this house, and 
Through the prophet Nathan, God reminds David and tells him, no, David, you're not going to be the one to build my temple, but it will be your offspring. And we know that offspring to be Solomon. He would be the one to build the temple. But in that covenant that God makes with David, not only does he say that about the offspring building temple, but he also shows us the messianic prophecy, meaning he already shows us that the Messiah would come from the line of David. And after God uh, gives Nathan this message and Nathan delivers that message to David, David turns to pray. It's a prayer of gratitude. It's a reminder to us as believers that we should be grateful for all that the Lord has done for us. And so as we go into today's text, starting verse 18, I want us to go with this mindset of how we should be grateful and thankful for the Lord. Let's start reading in chapter 7, 2 Samuel chapter 7, starting in verse 18. It says, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God. Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you. There is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on earth, whom God went to redeem to be his people, making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out uh, before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods. And you established for yourself your people Israel to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, and do as you have spoken. Verse 26. And your name will be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken with your blessing, shall uh, shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father God, we give you the praise and the glory for your goodness and your grace. God, we thank you for Jesus Christ and what he means to each and every one of us. God, we thank you for the time of worship, and God, may it have been pleasing to your ears, God. But God, right now, as your spirit is among us, God, speak to our hearts. May we feel your presence today, and God, may we be convicted and corrected but God, also encouraged by your word. God, we love you. We give you all praise for all that you've done. God, move in our midst today. Remind us of the goodness of your son, Jesus. And it is in his name that I pray. Amen. So as we come to the Lord with prayer of gratitude, prayer of thanksgiving, the first thing that we see from David is that we must 
come before God in humility. Come before God in humility. Go back with me to verse 18 through 22. It says, Then King David went and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that, I have, that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, because of your promise and according to your own heart. And you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore you are great, O Lord, for there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. So the first thing we see with David is this humility, this act of humility. The very first thing David asks in verse 18, he says, Who am I? Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? Who am I, God? David recognizes that, that, that it's only God that has gotten him this far, and he sees himself as nothing on his own. I mean, think about it. What's so special about David? What's so special about his house that God would use it to ultimately bring the Messiah into the world? Understand that there's nothing about David that makes him special. What makes David and his line special has everything to do with God and God alone. This is why David comes before God in humility. David say, he then says that what, what God has done is but a small thing. In the grand scheme of it all and all that God has done and all that God has created, yes, it very much seems insignificant what God has done in the life of David. It feels that way. David recognizes that he's just a servant of the Lord, that, that God is not here to serve David, but David is created to serve God. And to do his will. David sees how God has revealed his greatness for his servant. And this recognition of that greatness and, that, and all that entails from this greatness leads to a humble response. And the same should be said for all of us as we reflect on the Lord. We need to see the greatness of God in our lives. We need to see how small we are compared to the rest of creation. Look, if, if you take the massiveness of the stars in the heavens beyond space and beyond anything that we can see, you would notice that we are not even a blip on the scale. We're not even a blip on the scale on the massiveness of the greatest of stars in this galaxy. But yet, God chose us. David writes in Psalm 8, 4, he says, What is man that you are mindful of? What is man, God, that you're willing to send your son for us? What is God in the greatness of everything that there is? God, why would you be mindful of me? Listen, God doesn't need us. He doesn't need our worship. I think too many times we come to church and we think God needs this. We come to church thinking God needs us to be here today. No, no, no. You need to be here today because the Lord is wanting to work in your life. He doesn't need you to be here. But the fact that God would choose us and the fact that he would send his only son to die for us should cause us to be a grateful and humble people. We should respond as David is responding. 
And so my prayer for us is that every single day we wake up, we would be a people who would humble ourselves and be reminded daily of our worth. God, we're we're nothing compared to God, but God, you were willing to send your son, and we are grateful and we are humble every single day for it. And if seeing the greatness of God is not enough to humble you, maybe his works will do that for you. David reflects on the works of God in verses 23 to through 26 and this is what David says verse 23 who is like your people Israel the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt a nation and its gods and you established for yourself your people Israel to be your people forever And you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord, God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house. And do as you have spoken, and your name will be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is God over Israel. And the house of your servant David will be established before you. Not only in this section of the text, but throughout the entire Bible, we see the works of God. We see what God has done in his past, we, in our past. We've seen what God is currently doing in our present. And we know what God is going to do in the future. And so I want to look at all three of these time frames for just a moment. David first reflects on the past. In 23 and 24, David reflects on the history of Israel. He reminds himself in the audience of this text that, that God freed the Israelites from the Egyptian slavery and how big a deal that truly was for the nation of Israel. He redeemed these people. And he's already made a covenant with them, right? That they were going to be a great nation. And he did this through Abraham. And it was passed on from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and to Joseph. And from there on, and it was passed down to this generation who were in slavery in Egypt. And God continued to show them, I have made this covenant with you, and I am going to continue to pass it along. I'm going to continue to keep pushing it forward because I am going to make a great nation out of the people of Israel. And he shows that through David and the covenant he made with David. And how David, through David, was going to be this Messiah to come. And for us in our lives, that Messiah is certainly in the past for us. Where the Messiah has already come and he's lived a sinless life. Jesus lived a sinless life. And when the time was right, he took on our sins to the cross. And Jesus was willing to give up his own life to die for our sins And when he was dead, they buried him in a tomb, but he rose from that tomb. He is a resurrected king. And because of what Christ did for you and I, we can have eternal life. What God has done in his past is setting up for our present, which is going to lead to our future. And we see the works that he has done through his son, Jesus. And now in this present moment, we go back to David and David wants God to confirm this covenant with David. Currently in our present moment, God is doing things in our lives. Listen, if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you have not given your life to Christ, your present is God calling you to salvation. If you're in here today and you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, what God is calling you to do at the present moment is to accept the salvation that he is calling you to. That is your present moment. Listen, he is choosing you. 
And he has brought you here so that you would believe in that salvation. But maybe today you are already a believer. What is God doing in you right now? What is the present in your life, believer? Well, God is working on you to get you to holiness. God is working in your life to get you to holiness. That's called sanctification. And he's leading you toward holiness by helping you to see his will, to continue to pursue his will. And ultimately, we know also that God is presently blessing you beyond all measure. Every one of us in this room can point to so many blessings in our lives. And God is blessing you presently so that you can presently glorify him in all ways, in all areas. Currently, God is calling you to go make disciples of all nations and preach the gospel. Continuing to do the work that God has called you to. Listen, He did not save you just to leave you alone. God did not save you just to leave you where you are. He is currently within every believer through His Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is leading us presently to bring glory to God. But what about our future? What's coming? Verse 26, David writes these words. And your name will be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. David proclaims that the God's name will be magnified forever. And listen, church, there is coming a day when God's glory will be magnified forever, when we will all stand before the Lord. Paul says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. For the believer, God will bring us up to glory and we will be made new and we will dwell in His presence for all of eternity. And we praise God for that. Because God was willing to do that for you. He didn't have to. What is man, God? You are mindful of us. What is man, God? What is my life that you are willing to die for me so that I can presently be used to glorify you and one day stand before you in all of glory in your presence forever? What am I, God, that you would do that for me? Church, we have got to get back to a state of gratitude. We have to get back to a place where we are praising God for His goodness and His greatness. Again, we, I just read that in that book earlier where we, we've gotten so caught up in everything else in this world and it's not going to slow down in the holidays. It's going to hit a new gear and it's going to go faster. And we're going to be so caught up in all the things that we love and we enjoy that we forget and our God is good and our God is sovereign. Our God is big and mighty and strong. And he is in all things at all times. If we do not come to God in a state of gratitude, we're going to miss it. If we do not come to God humbly before his throne, we're going to miss it. So what do I do, pastor? What do I do with the time that I have now in my presence? There's three things that we are to hold fast to. Look at verse 27 through 29. David says, For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God. 
And your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. There are three key words that the Lord stuck out to me in studying the scripture, and the first one is courage. We need to hold fast to courage in verse 27. David says, your servant has found courage to pray his prayer. So what is exactly David talking about? Do we need courage to go before the Lord? Not necessarily. I think we do need to recognize the greatness of God in his throne. And we should be fearful in his mindset that we're reverent towards the throne of God when we come to him in prayer. But, but, but the courage is in that I have courage knowing the will of God. I have courage to pray this prayer because I know, God, what you've already told me. You told me that the house will be built. You've shown me what you're going to do through my line. And I had the courage to pray that prayer that it would be so because I know, God, your plans. David knew the will of God. And we too must recognize the will of God. How do we recognize the will of God? We spend time in God's word and he will reveal it. God, we always want to figure out God's will. What does God want me to do? I can promise you, if you spend some time in his word, you'll figure it out. Because God's will has already been presented. I think we're waiting on some revelation that's new. And, and, and God, I need this direction. I need to know where do I, it's like a GPS. I need to go, I need to be able to type in the address and know exactly what turns I need to take. And God's like, no, I've already given you the directions. You're just not reading it. We need to have courage to pray God's will, but we first must know the will of God. And we find that in the word of truth, which is the second thing we hold on to. We hold on to the truth of God's word. Verse 28, what does he say? Your words are true. Even Jesus in John 17, 17 says, your word is truth. David recognizes the word of God is true. He recognizes that for him it would be the law. Genesis through Deuteronomy. He recognized that the law was true. The law was perfect and it was worth holding on to. It was worth grasping because there's no falsehood in it. It is, it is worthy of trusting. Worthy of reading. And we can trust in God's word. And we can trust in it to show us his will for our lives. That we can pick up this Bible and have confidence that there's truth to be found in it for us to rest in. We can hold fast to these truths. And when we hold fast to these truths, it will give us the courage and understanding. It will help us grow our faith. Yes, it's going to convict us at times. But that's okay. It's going to give us the direction we need. It's going to comfort us. And it's going to pour out its grace upon grace, church. That grace that is so undeserving for us. But God is willing to pour it out anyway. Which leads to the last thing. Blessings. God's grace is full of blessings, church. And we need to hold fast to those blessings. Verse 29, what did he say? Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing shall the house of your servants be blessed forever. David prays for a blessing on his house. 
so that, that his house may continue forever, but not so that it will just be eternal in its own right, but that, so that that house can continue to bless God and turn to praise God forever through that lineage of David. And listen, we need to recognize the blessings in our lives and, they, and how these blessings allow us to push towards gratefulness. And this gratefulness leads us to bring glory to God. The blessings are not for us to gain possessions. Blessings are not for us to gain material wealth. It's not for selfish gain. Listen, we are given blessings after blessings not to make ourselves feel any better. We are given blessing after blessing so that we can return that glory back to God. Those are opportunities for us to be reminded that we are to bring glory to God in all things. And so when we pray for God to bless our homes, to bless our church, to bless our lives, we're not doing that to make ourselves feel better. We are doing that because, God, I want you to bless my life so that I can grow in the worship of you and in the understanding of who you are. That's what David is praying for. It's not for fame and glory of his own accord. But it's so that God's name will be glorified. We truly need to see the blessings in that manner. And we need to continue to give him praise and the glory for all that he has done, church. Because he has done over and beyond anything we deserve. Maybe that's what you need to do today in response. Maybe today you simply need to go to the Lord in prayer as David did. And give praise for his greatness, for his love. And for as many upon many of blessings. You can give praise to God in prayer. If you want to praise God through song, that'll be fine. Maybe you simply just need to humble yourself at the altar and pray to the Lord. Maybe you're in here and you realize you need salvation. Maybe you're in here and you realize, I'm not saved. I've known about God, and I recognize God is real, but I know I'm not saved. Because I have truly yet to put my faith in Him. I've truly yet to believe and trust in the Lord Jesus for salvation. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you in a moment to come forward. I'll be right here up front. You can receive salvation today. But maybe you're already a believer, but you recognize that your attitude's been pretty sour lately towards the Lord. Maybe you've recognized today that you've been pretty ungrateful for a lot of things. You haven't truly given your praise to God for the things that you have in life. Look, God does not owe us anything. God does not have to bless us with anything, let alone salvation through His Son, Jesus. Everything God has given us is a blessing. And maybe we've taken that for granted lately. So maybe we just need to come bow before the Lord and humble ourselves. Maybe today you just expect things to happen just because they're supposed to and you've forgotten where it all comes from. You forget the fact that you wake up every morning as a gift from God. The fact that you have what you have in life your homes, your possessions, your children, your spouse, your job. All that comes from the Lord. 
And maybe we just need to spend some time thanking God for it. Have an attitude that's filled with gratitude. Maybe you just need to come to God and pray for in repentance. God, I'm sorry that I've taken for granted everything you've ever given me. However God is calling on you to respond today, will you be faithful to do so? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. God, hopefully we're all coming to you with a grateful heart. God, we recognize the greatness of your works, the greatness of your presence. God, I pray today that we recognize that all the blessings that we are given come strictly from you. God, we don't deserve any of it. We don't deserve anything that we can have. But God, you were willing to bless us. So God, I pray today that we'll take a moment to slow down. To look to you. To see how great you really are. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray today that if anyone in here has not accepted the salvation provided through your son, that, I, that today would be that day. God, if there's anyone in here who has taken your blessings for granted, God, who has who just, just accepted the fact that these things happen and, and, and never once turned to look to you for thankful, in thankfulness, I pray today, God, that we would turn from that. And God, we would turn to you with gratitude and humility and thankfulness. God, we give you all the praise and the glory. We thank you for Jesus. Move us, God, where we need to be moved. And it's in your son's holy and righteous name that I pray. Amen.